0: Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day
1: Insider from the Dallas
2: Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday. And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast.
0: And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference. Guys, can we get the show started? Let's do it. Here we go, sports fans.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Hello, Kevin. And David Moore. Hi, David. Why'd you introduce him first?
2: You usually, introduce me first. I know, and
1: I, and I you know, I was thinking about that as we we're getting ready for this, and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to mix it up a little this time, and of course, David will get mad, uh, and then we'll he'll be in a bad mood for the whole rest of the fine. Podcast. Do the little
2: show. Go ahead and do the little show. Let's go. <laughs>
1: I like it. The the, the diminutive is always a signal (laughs) of a disparagement, you know? Kevin, how many times have I turned to
0: you at a game and said, so what are you going to write your little column on?
1: Yeah, exactly. Pretty much all the time. Anytime I write anything, that's what you always say. Have you done your little column yet?
0: David, Uh, you should always go first because age always takes seniority. (laughs) Well, well, I
2: would always go first, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's the way that's going to go. That's the way it's happening.
2: But before we start, though, I know we have a lot of local topics, but I, I've i been off social media for about 10 minutes, so has, has Bob Baffert come up with like a fifth excuse for why his horse <laughs> tested positive?
1: My, this is my all-time favorite, and I'm telling you, I don't follow for horse racing, but I may start because you of now? this. Oh, my gosh. That's He said that one of the grooms was taking cough medicine and peed on the hay and the horse ate the hay that had been peed on, and that's how he tested positive for this stuff?
0: Actually, that's that's not that original. I believe Manny Ramirez used that once. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) Um, In one of his suspensions, uh, I believe Manny used that. Yeah, yeah. Got to love horse racing. How about that, though?
2: I think now he said he spread some ointment on him. That's what Barry Bonds did, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do love though, how he's gone out now and like publicly declaring, it's not just about my reputation, you know, I, how this Madonna spirit thing, I mean, what's it doing to him? Yeah. yeah he's got to yeah. go race this weekend. So, I mean, you know, all, all the other horses are going to look at him and wonder, and he'll be shamed, <laughs> you know, in a stall. It's going to be ostracized. Is the horse on social media? Yeah, yeah,
1: yes. He's even dropped the cancel culture thing. How about that? Yeah, he's, he's going for everything he can possibly get here. And I don't know, I don't know, Bob, you know, I just know him by reputation. I don't know him at all. Everybody says he's just a real character and he's and he's fun to, to work with and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, because he, he's basically a liar. So, you know, it's always fun to deal with somebody who, who has no connection with truth. and can just spin any kind of yarn you want for any occasion. So anyway.
2: Is that a good segue to go to Evan now to start the show?
1: Yeah, that would be that would probably be good. Uh, now we can talk about Evan and the Rangers. First, all, I just want to say about Evan in being—he's in San Francisco, pretty much blowing our entire travel budget for the whole year for two games. This some boondoggle he got out there. He's staying in a penthouse suite somewhere, looking out over the
0: bay you know, in San Francisco. That was Coit Tower. I showed you a picture of Coit Tower. I'm looking at Coit Tower through some very dirty windows in this hotel, which my good friend um i won't mention a name. my good friend said, uh, those are not dirty windows that's weed smoke." <laughs> I be mean, just like you to complain about the windows.
2: Uh my windows are dirty. But it's not if just San Francisco. I mean, how how was Minneapolis, Evan? Was it was that a good road trip? I did not go to Minneapolis. Oh okay. Okay. Oh, you went yeah. to San Francisco, but you didn't go to Minneapolis. Correct. Yeah. I'm just okay. doing
0: these two these two games with oh, us on okay. okay. times okay. to help everybody out.
2: Now and yeah. oh that, to help everybody out. That's
0: yeah. the way that's 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 the way I am. And I got another mystery <laughs> trip coming up this weekend. So Yeah. You
1: are going to Houston, aren't you?
0: No, not this weekend.
1: Wow. Okay. So,
0: so if it's in Texas, <laughs> not, it's like no, Minneapolis. Not not hey, you know. last week I was in Frisco and Round Rock. Listen, I am on the baseball beat, and the baseball beat sometimes means more than just those twenty-seven outs that the Rangers try to get.
1: Yeah, or or more sometimes the way they play uh, occasionally on defense, um, like last night. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, speaking of which, Evan, so last night, uh, Monday night, Monday night, uh, the, the Rangers, uh, you know, wasted a a good start by Kyle Gibson who did a a good job once again. It's pretty amazing. The numbers he's put up after his ERA was like, what? 135 after his first start. And now look where he's look what He's done.
0: You know, after his last start, I had, I said something to him on, on the zoom again, about you know, the comeback from that first start and thought about it a little bit. And after, after the zoom was over, <laughs> I texted him and I said, I think the statute of limitations is about over on your, um, on, on us referring to the first start, but it is just such a, it's such a remarkable turnaround, you know I mean? To get one out the first day and then roll off seven consecutive quality starts with a one, three, four ERA. He really has been impressive. Um, Literally made one mistake last night. Uh, and I hate to say, you know, when a guy gives up a home run, it's one mistake. But he did leave a sinker up and away to Brandon Belt after he had fallen, fallen behind in the count. And that really hurt him. Um, but seven, six innings against this team that actually is leading the National League West on the road. Another fine night for Kyle Gibson.
1: Yeah, he's been really good, and and you know you you watch him watching him. I was watching him pitch last night, and you know his his ball just moves so much. Uh, he gets such great movement on his pitches. Uh, you know he's not having to, you know, be, be real fine with it. He can throw it to the heart of the plate, and then it's moving to the outside. I mean, it's just really, really uh, terrific stuff. And watching him pitch. So let me ask you this about Kyle Gibson: Is he going to be on this team at the end of the year or not?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so much is going to depend on how things kind of play out. But I I think for what the Rangers are trying to establish and and Kyle Gibson's salary next year and the fact that I think next year the Rangers will have some more expectations, not necessarily to to contend, but to compete and to potentially take a big step forward. Uh, If there are trade offers for him, it's not going to be a simply a matter of, well, we'll just take whatever the best offer is on the table. It's going to have to be something that, that the Rangers would consider a win for them to, to trade him. He's got one more year left on the contract. He's been a real part of the change of the culture in the clubhouse, and he's pitching really well. So um, this just goes as another uh, another guy the Rangers have brought in here on the free agent market identified and who they they've really kind of hit with you know you go back to Mike Miner and then Lance Lynn and now Kyle Gibson and for a team that has had a hard time developing its own pitching it's made some really astute calls on on free agent pitchers over the last few years
1: yeah it's not only that they make the good call but they they sign these guys and then they kind of turn them around you know they've uh they've enhanced them They've been they here certainly the have. Show. And that, and that's, uh, and you got to give them credit for that. We, we bashed on them and rightfully so over mistakes that have been made and especially in the draft, but, uh, whatever they're doing here in scouting these guys and in determining who looks like they've got something, it's been remarkable. So let's segue from that straight to, uh, another reclamation project and that's the, everybody's new favorite ranger, uh, Garcia. Um,
2: well, not everyone's favorite ranger. I, I seem to remember on this podcast, someone really questioned his bona fides.
1: Yeah, I think that was
0: I think that was Evan, wasn't it? Oh, 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 was that Evan? Uh, listen, I'll I will sit here and say I was not sure that uh, what we were getting at a, a Dolis Garcia this year would be anything more than a guy like Carlos Baguero, who had a wonderful spring a few years ago, got into the big leagues, and it was a typical. You know, you're seeing what you see in spring training and what what happens in the regular season is something different. Um, And and until a guy proves it at the big league level, I'm jaded enough to think, okay, it's not going to happen again. We've seen it too many times. But what Adolis has done is he really has has worked hard on being able to recognize the fastballs and the breaking balls that have given him problems, particularly fastballs at the top of the zone, which he's chased too often in his career, and be able to recognize breaking balls and, and lay off of them. And because of that, now he's narrowed down the number of pitches um, that, that pitchers can use to try and get him out with. And that's brought the ball back into the strike zone a little bit. And in the strike zone, now he is hammering pitches. And that's been, that's been the simple difference. What I do suggest is the next the next test for him is going to be this, and this is the test that the Rangers are going to face. It's going to be how they face change-ups because teams are starting to throw more and more off-speed stuff to them. Alex Wood, who throws a really good change-up through 27 of them last night. They faced seven pitchers so far this year that have, have, thrown, have been able to throw at least 25 changeups. They're one in six in those games, and those pitchers have a one- Five five ERA is what I calculated a little while ago. So I, I think they're going to see more and more of that stuff. And and Chris Woodward was asked this yesterday, just about Adolis having to make some adjustments to stay proactive. And they are already working on that. They they at least identify the know that it's an issue that's probably going to have to come to the forefront here soon. And they are addressing.
1: It. Here's my issue with the whole uh, Garcia thing, and for the life of me I can't figure why the Cardinals gave up on him so easily. Here was a guy who played well in Cuba, has obviously tremendous tools. He's got a uh he's fast, he's got a great arm, he, he certainly knows what he's doing in the outfield. Uh and then he's got this power potential. He he did that in the minor league system for 2 years, hit 50 something home runs in, in 2 years and he got a little bit of a, a shot at the big league level and he said, "Nah, that's enough for us. Uh we'll just we'll just dump him on the Rangers for a little money."
0: But he was also, the year he hit 30 home runs in AAA, he was a 300 on-base guy. And, you know, the Cardinals the Cardinals obviously value that number. Um, they looked at the strikeouts, and there was that that matter of being undisciplined. And, uh, you know, you never know how different guys do different things, but the Cardinals have decidedly been an old-school organization culture-wise. And Adolis is an emotional player, and that might not have sat well, you know, when they're making evaluations. So, um, Look, the Cardinals gave up on Adolis Garcia and Randy Orazarena in the last three years on both of those guys. Uh, how would those two look in their outfield right now?
1: Well, that's the thing
0: about him, especially
1: because of the of the, of the tool set that he has. Because if you look at the Rangers and what they've tried to do in build and build in center field, uh, they, they, they rushed Leone Tavares. They pretty much rushed Eli White as well. And neither one of those guys have the the tool set that Adoles has uh, because they don't have that kind of power. Uh, and and to me, if Adoles, who's playing at a superstar level right now, if he dials that back and he ends up not being that player and still is just a an average center fielder or, or a little above average, that's that's worth it. And and that would give them something they haven't had in a long time. If he's the, if he's the Rangers center fielder the next five years and he hits 20 home runs and hits 265 and plays defense like he's playing now, that would be great.
0: All agreed, And I, I think the one thing the Rangers needed to see was what they saw inside baseball this spring was the adjustment to the strike zone. And I think that's what they base their decision that he would be ready to play in the big leagues on. Um, they had committed, perhaps erroneously so, to Leody Tavares too early. Eli White is a guy who's 26. I don't think he's in the same boat as Tavares. Was he ready for the for the big leagues? Not so sure. But I think he was a guy that you needed to find out a little bit more about. In in Garcia, they just didn't have a guy who had proven anything, and they were going to wait. And they were looking more at a rebuilding project than anything else. And it sometimes it's just kind of desperation, you know. It was an injury to Ronald Guzman that got a Garcia an opportunity, and all he's done is, is seized on it. You can't ask for anything more than he's done. He's taken the opportunity, and he's he's, he's absolutely run it.
1: Yes, he has. Well, that's going to do it for our Rangers segment of the podcast. A- Evan has to run out to a champagne brunch here. We're not going quick. to talk about Nate Lowe's pants. Mimosas. No. No, we're not going to talk about Nate Lowe's pants. People are going to have to read DallasNews.com to get that
0: earth-shaking story. Skinny about jeans, the equivalent of skinny jeans. I'm going to tell you, though, I I will say this, the, 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 uh, the tease I will make is Nate Lowe's wearing these Will Clark style pants on the field this year. And you just need to read the answer he gave about why he's doing this, because it's both hysterical and somewhat illuminating. And it tells you why manager Chris Woodward calls him a new age throwback.
1: New age throwback. Uh, yeah, that's a great description. All right, Evan, thanks for uh, stopping on with us and uh, and sharing a little bit of this before you uh, go back to your boondoggle. Uh, are you going to take a nap in your big plush uh, king size bed before you uh, go to the game?
0: I'm sorry. Aren't you at the Sherrington third residence in Arkansas on some lake right now? We are not on a lake right now, no, we're not. you know we've had a little we had a little
1: uh, incident here coming from my daughter's graduation we uh my oldest son uh had an attack of appendicitis uh oh he had no
0: append-
1: he had to have an appendectomy.
0: so how about that? Jake's had an appendectomy in Arkansas during <laughs> vacation Yes, and we were a little nervous about that about you know do they have actual doctors here who can
1: do that kind of thing.
2: Did and, you perform uh, it? In the woods? I, I, was it in the woods behind?
1: I, the- I got I, I got on online and I got one of those things that, <laughs> where you can talk to a doctor. They talk you through it. I had a, a, I had a yeah, I had a uh, bottle
0: opener and it was I had to sharpen it, <laughs> but it it worked really well. So anyway, I can get that on YouTube. Well. Yeah. well, our best regards to Jake. I hope he's doing better.
1: Yeah he he is he's got, he's been discharged I think even as we're recording this so that's all good.
0: All right. Well, I will uh, get out of y'all's way. Thanks. Um, and I will talk to you next week.
1: Thanks, Evan. We'll see you. So uh, Adolis Garcia, no matter what happens to him from here on out, he'll be a great story for Rangers fans to recall this, the spring of 2021, uh, when he was uh, a star. Uh, I hope it's better than that. He, he's a good guy and the Rangers could certainly use a good story. We haven't had very many of those, uh, in the last few years. So, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the Cowboys obviously, uh, in one of our other segments, uh, today, but, uh, right now we're going to do something we'd like to call a potpourri, uh, in which we talk a little bit about, uh, uh, several of our, our items. So David, uh, we've got a little stuff going on. We've, we've had the draft. Uh, we've also got the Mavericks closing in on the end of their season here and uh, and apparently have solidified or are solidifying that fifth seed, which seemed impossible just a couple of weeks ago. This is pretty much what everybody projected for the Mavericks going into the season, right, to be about the fifth seed.
2: Yeah, and, and still up in the air. I mean, there's still a lot of movement, and it, and it comes to how many pe- uh, teams are potentially tied there. But uh, just from where we were going after – uh, they lost to Sacramento three times in 15 days. Of course, now you step back with a wider lens, and they've won 10 of their last 13 games, and their only losses have been to Sacramento, which clearly they won't face in the postseason. So uh, this team's position itself put it there pretty well. But but to me, the big question is, I, I think their ceiling is just much lower without – their their postseason ceiling is much lower without Kristop Porzingis. And he's going to return this week. Uh, he's only played in, I believe, right now, 59% of their games this season. And just what do they need from him when he gets back? What sort of player do they need him to be? And is he really willing to accept that role because he's been out so much? And to me, thats you don't have a lot of time to figure that out here in the regular season before this this first series gets underway.
1: No, you don't. You know, he, he prefers playing center, and that's kind of the, the problem for him. He likes to set up there on offense when he comes down. Um, and uh, and what they have determined is that they, when he's been out is that with Dwight Powell and Willie Colley-Stein playing at center, uh, things have worked out really well. Uh, those two guys are, are both good defensive players, uh, and it, it just works out for setting up their offense and what they're trying to do. Uh, I think, of course, a, a big factor in all of this of them playing so well lately, of course, has been Tim Hardaway Jr. He's just been, been outstanding. Uh, yeah. He's been great. Uh, and I and I think that Josh Richardson has picked up his game a little bit. I, I think he had his uh, interest uh, piqued by the fact that Josh Green was getting on the floor a little bit. And maybe he didn't like that so much. Uh, and if this is what you needed to take to goose Josh Richardson into playing like he was supposed to be playing all along, well, then I'm all for it. But it does kind of make you wonder a little bit about uh, so how does this fit going forward because uh, he's obviously he'll be a free agent after this year, so it will be interesting to see what they do with him. But I don't want to talk about that uh that guy's development going forward let's let's talk about KP here because uh as you as you said, this has been an issue all along trying to decide you know how to fit him best into this offense, basically. Uh, you know, when he's out there on defense, he's pretty good. He's a he's a rim protector. He's a guy who can uh, change shots, and he can do a lot of things that that people probably don't give him enough credit for. But it's on offense that you got him, and uh, and why you have him, and and the difference he can make when he is playing really well. That has just been a constant issue, though, uh, and so that's why they they liked you know it, since he was playing better uh, and when he was playing at center on offense, uh, that's what they did, and now they're not. Uh so let me ask you this, David. Do you see going forward Rick Carlisle seemed a little noncommittal about it, uh when asked. Uh and so I'm I'm wondering though, do you think they're gonna just say to KP, listen, this is just what we're gonna do for now and just let's just see how well you adjust to it?
2: I, I think they have to, and I and I was struck by uh, some of Porzingis' uh, comments yesterday. Uh, he, he spoke to reporters on Zoom, and and he goes into and he's he's a very thoughtful, reflective player, and a good interview from from what everyone says who who talks to him, you know, consistently. And and he he goes on this. Well, I don't know how it's going to work. I'm just here to be a good soldier. And then he gets and then when they're talking specifically about his role, there are all these long pauses about well. Um, I'm, you know, we'll see, I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll do what I'm asked to do, of course. Uh, but, but you get the hesitation there. What struck me with that was, does Christoph Porzingis acknowledge that in missing so much time, this offense can't be set up around him the way the team would like to do it? And what is best for his skill set, because he's missed so much time, does he not recognize that because he's missed so much time, he you have to flip that formula, and he's going to have to adapt to what's in place and then build from there on out. And I'm not sure, I, I, think, I think logically he understands it, but I don't know that emotionally he accepts it. I, I think he feels that he's a good enough player. This is my skill set. Why are you misusing me? I'm back. Use me to the way uh, that's best for me, which is going to be best for this team. Well, if you played more than 59% of the time, you could set that system up. But when you miss that much time, can you really afford to do that? And, and that's, where, that's where the Mavericks are, and they don't have enough time to work through this going into the postseason. Uh, he's the one who's going to have to adapt, and, and they're going to have to find some acceptable middle ground going forward where he doesn't feel alienated from the offense, but his skill set is still uh, emphasized when he's in there. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of practice time this year. They had a condensed schedule. He's had two different knee injuries that have been contact, as he pointed out, not structural. So they just haven't had a chance to work through it. So once again, next year, we're going to be talking about their need to work through how he fits in this going forward, just as we were talking about this year. I don't know that they made any appreciable uh, conclusion on that.
1: No, they haven't, and that's uh, and that's the most disappointing aspect of this season, even if they end up as the fifth seed, which is what everyone projected going into the year. Uh, if you don't have a good grasp on a lot of these things, and I don't think we do. We don't have a good grasp on, on what difference their new defense made. We don't have a good grasp on, on uh, KP either. That, that's going to be problematic going forward because you're going to try to add someone else to this mix and through free agency, and you have to know – what you've got here before you go out to try to do that. And it determines the kind of person you want to do. So let's of course, uh,
2: at least they're still playing. The stars had a uh, ignominious uh, end to the season here.
1: Yes, they did. And, and you know, talk about disappointments. You, you go from in the Stanley cup finals to not even making the playoffs the next year. And of course, you know, what this means is fire the coach. Uh, it, no, <laughs> yeah. no sport fires coaches more often than they do in the NHL. I mean, I think sometimes you go through a season, you might have three head coaches in the course of one year, uh, the way some like to do it. So, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a sad ending to, for the stars. Uh, I think Rick bonus
2: and not to be able to build off of what they, you know, especially in hockey, which is. It really gets less of its buzz from T V than any of the other major sports in the US, uh any of the major sports leagues. It it really is built more on the in-game experience and it's 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 more local, it's more fan intensive, I, I would say, as far as keeping that interest up and and to not have fans last year, to have them in a limited basis this year. Uh, to not really take that in, they lost a lot of the excitement and the marketing and, and the chance to to build on that base a little bit more I think than they would have uh in, in pre pandemic time so that so again they 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 had their best season at the worst time and then and then this year were, were unable to build on it.
1: Yeah, I just think that the Stars are a team still in transition personnel-wise. Your, your yeah. two best players or two highest-paid players are Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. And, and uh, Jamie Benn, I, I just, you know, it's hard to tell with him because he's so quiet and because he holds so much stuff in. The, his teammates love him. Uh, but uh, it it feels like that injuries have taken such a toll on him and it's such a struggle for him. To be the player that he needs to be all the time, he can't do that. And so that, I just feel like the Stars are, are still a team in transition from uh, getting from these younger guys and more talented guys who need to take larger roles. Some of those guys also uh, kind of rolled back uh, this year, weren't as good as they were last year. So there's still a team uh, making a, a a little bit of a change here. And I'm thinking that Rick Bonus is going to end up paying for that, but we'll see. Uh, we've also got going on this week uh, out uh, in McKinney, uh, yeah. the Nelson, uh, that which moved from its two year—if we we can't count three years because last year the Nelson was canceled—but uh, its two year run in Trinity Forest, which was ill fated. Uh, for a lot of reasons, you, you could see that going in, uh, what a lot of the problems were down there at Trinity forest, no infrastructure around it, no parking, no close parking people, uh, having to take shuttles from fair park, 15, 20 minutes, long lines. And then when you get there, there's golf, but there's nothing else. And as we know from our history of watching the Nelson all these years, most of the people are there for the party, much more than golf. a
2: golfing event. It it was really an event that worked along parallel lines there were a lot of people that went to the Nelson uh, that really never went out on the course, didn't follow any golfer. It was all in the tent. And there's not a problem with that because, you know, that money was going to charity. Uh, Salesmanship club does an outstanding job. And, uh, but that was its identity. It was, uh, and also it was, It was, in some ways, more of a resort stop for a lot of the athletes, too. You know, their spouses or significant others would come with them, uh, spend the time at the spa, relax. Uh, It was just a it was a very laid back, enjoyable. I don't want to say it wasn't serious, but it had a little bit different feel, I think, than a lot of other tournaments. And uh, that really worked to its benefit for a long time. Uh, You lost that with with Byron Nelson's death. Uh, the, the personal touch he had, and then you went to uh, South Dallas and it didn't work. That was, uh, I think it could have worked, but I think you just touched on a lot of the reasons why it didn't. I, I don't think it, the, the infrastructure was there was, was the main reason. And and now uh, it, this will be the first one out in McKinney, but they certainly seem to get it. They They understand what this event has been about at its best.
1: Yes, they do. You know, the city of McKinney got behind it. They, the school district, they're providing them parking. They had all of this stuff already planned out. I'm not sure that anybody in Dallas had planned anything, really. I think they said, well, hey, we got a golf course. Uh, and what else do you need? Parking, maybe? Okay. All right. Well, how about Fair Park, which is, you know, 20 minutes away, and then there's a 30-minute wait to get on a shuttle. Uh, not a good idea. Not a good plan. Didn't work out well. We'll see how long it stays at Craig Ranch. You know, they're they're building that new PGA facility up, uh, uh, north of there. Uh, and well, I guess not north of there, I guess to the Frisco, east, of, Yeah. Yeah. in Frisco. Yeah. And that's going to be pretty spectacular. And I think the plan is eventually they would like to have the Nelson play up there, but that's not supposed to open until 2025. Yeah. So there's nothing it,
2: definitive on that, but that's what everyone assumes will happen.
1: Yeah, so uh, w- we'll see what happens here going forward. It, uh, but it, it it should be nice. Uh, the weather's yeah. supposed to be nice out there this week, so that'll be and a And a pretty
2: good field, although uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, the top-ranked player, did have to back out uh, uh, regretfully. Um, he had some uh, knee issues, I believe, uh, that will prevent him from uh, attending this tournament. But, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is there, John Rahm, two of the top five players in the world, uh, you still have Brooks Kepka, uh, uh, Jordan Spieth, you know, Scotty Schefter, Will Zalatoris. So it's still, it's one of the better fields they've had at the Nelson in recent years, understanding there wasn't a tournament last year.
1: Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be happy out there. I think it'll be an, it should be a nice, yeah. nice haul for everybody. All right, so we've talked about the Rangers. We've talked about our little potpourri, uh, and now we're going to talk about the Cowboys. Uh, They had a a draft, as I recall, a couple weeks ago and and, uh, got a lot of players, mostly linebackers, uh, you know. (laughs) Like every time we turned around, they were drafting 11
2: picks, none of them linebackers. So that's <laughs> that's right.
1: So, uh, I, I'm interested that you know, we, we still haven't heard from anybody like Leighton Vanderesh or Jalen Smith about how they felt about this. I'm sure they'll say all the right things, uh, but they had to have gotten the message, uh, when the, the Cowboys took Micah Parsons with the 12th pick, uh, their first pick, and then uh, later on, uh, it took from uh, LSU. And I'm having to see came him back moment. with
2: Jabril Cox, yeah. Jabril Cox, yeah. Uh,
1: and so, and, and both those guys very athletic, very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah Parsons extremely fast. I ran a four three nine forty, I believe, and and Jabril Cox also runs like a four five. So these are guys who can really move. Cox is supposed to be terrific uh, in coverage, which is what everybody needs now in a linebacker. Um, most of these guys have to be more versatile than they've had to be in the past. Uh, you know, what I've, uh, uh, understand about, uh, Parsons, uh, David, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, which you would anyway, I don't have to give you permission, <laughs> uh, is that, uh, what really is going to be the value in Micah Parsons is his ability to rush the passer.
2: Yeah. And, and I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to make it sound like he's going to be their primary pass rusher. Uh, I don't think anyone should, um, you know, look at it from that standpoint that, oh, this is this is going to be the replacement to DeMarcus Ware going forward because he's such a great pass rusher. Uh, he is still a linebacker. You know, he is going to be uh, – I think you'll see him some in the middle. You'll see him some on the weak side, and you'll see him uh, – you know, I think in Dan Quinn and his scheme, it's really called that Leo – uh, pass rusher, and and it's it's really kind of a hybrid pass rusher, and and it's either he can rush either with his hand on the in the dirt or standing up. And as Quinn said, you're going to be in a lot of you know basically sixty percent of the time you're a nickel, and so you only have two linebackers there. But I think Parsons, with his ability to rush the quarterback, is going to be in there in a lot of those sets where normally uh he wouldn't be at a middle linebacker position. He he may be out at a pass rush position and they're gonna rotate that out there. Um and, and to me that's the biggest question on um you know people are saying okay well I love Micah Parsons but how does he fit? You already have two Pretty good linebackers who, again, have to return to the level they showed two years ago, not these last two years, but at least you have some talent there. So, just how does he fit? Where's he going to play? And, you know, rookie minicamp starts out at the star later this week. And this is when you're going to first start to get a feel for how they're going to use Micah Parsons and in what packages and in how many. And, you know, I'm not even sure that Dan Quinn knows yet, but he certainly has some. He and the coaching staff has some good ideas as far as moving him around. And I I go back and I find this interesting, a little bit different situation, but uh, was able to talk to Micah Parsons away from the, the press conferences when he was out at the Star a, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he was telling me about how in high school, when he was in high school in Pennsylvania, um, he loved running back. That was a position he just really loved. Well. The coaching staff told them, Look, we have a spot for you if you play defense on the varsity right now. But if you want to play running back, you're gonna to have to start on junior varsity because you know our running back's one of the, the best guys in the state. So it's your choice. Do you want to play varsity now and play defense, or do you want to go to J V and play running back? And so Micah Parsons said, Okay, well, I want to go to J V and play running back. To which they said no, we didn't – you don't really have a choice. <laughs> you're coming up on the defense. You know, we need you too much on defense. And, and you're not starting, but we're putting you behind this guy. And you're going I, – I promise you, you'll get a lot of playing time. So he's going, okay. So very first game, uh, the guy ahead of him – and at and this time, he's a defensive end, I believe. The guy ahead of him gets hurt on the first play of the game. So Micah Parson goes in as a freshman, has three sacks – it blocks a punt in the final seconds to ensure the victory and never look back from there. So, uh, I I think anyone questioning, well, how are, you know, how is he going to get on the field early? What, you know, what schemes do they have for him when you're that talented, you're going to get on the field and you're going to stay on the field if you make plays. and, And that's why they took him. So I, I'm not as concerned as about how are they going to use him because I know they will put him in a lot of different schemes and looks, and he will be out there. We just don't know what shape is going to take yet.
1: Right? It's it's interesting because you know we saw LeVar Arrington, a former great linebacker in NFL, and also who's his bench, mentor? Yeah, who's his mentor, and who who says that? And and of course LeVar's been around. He's a smart guy. He, he thinks that Micah Parsons could go down as the greatest linebacker in Cowboys history. And, you know, to, to anybody who grew, who uh, was born in the last, I don't know, 25 years, that wouldn't seem like much. Uh, but if you were, if you were older than end. that, you can remember some pretty good linebackers here. You know, Chuck Hallie, uh, Leroy Jordan, uh, Ken Norton. Uh, mm-hmm. there, these are some guys who were, were tremendous linebackers. Uh, so if they can really say that, if they, if, if he ends up being, of course, a, a modern day linebacker is a different thing from what it used to be. Right. Uh, uh, what you're asking these guys sure. to do now is, is to cover people coming out of the backfield, uh, you know, you're asking them to rush, you know, to blitz more there. It's a, it's a hybrid package. And so I, I guess what I'm to ask you is, uh, if this guy ends up being as talented as he as he is, or or what he seems to be, is it okay then that they didn't pick up one of those cornerbacks in the first round?
2: Well, I think that's going to have a lot to do with Calvin Joseph and how he plays their second round pick, which to me is going to be the other fascinating thing to to watch in this rookie mini camp, just how he moves because from a, from a skill standpoint and, and raw talent, uh people are very, very impressed with him. But as you know, we talked about earlier, I think everyone was just fixated on, on Cowboys getting a corner in the first and, and felt the scenario. There was a unlikely scenario that Dallas would not come out of the first round without a chance at either horn or Sertan. And when both of them went right in front of them, I think then you're going, well, wow, how, how did that happen? and, you know it's interesting because I think people have now see where Parsons makes sense, but the, the, the issue is not with Parsons and his talent. The issue is, well, why do you keep investing first round picks in, in linebackers and, and stop that? And uh, uh, and it just reinforces, well, if you're using all this draft capital at linebacker, then you know that's why the rest of your defense is is underwhelmed, and you know you don't you don't use it on corners high, you don't use it on safety, so. Um, I I will say this for this to, for this draft to work for them, Kelvin Joseph, the Kentucky cornerback who was taken in the second round has to be better than the last cornerback they took in the second round, which was Chitabaya Wuzia, who they let go after four years and is no longer on the team. Um, he's going to have to step in and be a day one starter. He's going to, uh, have to be a consistent part of that, uh defense for them to show really the improvement that they that it's imperative they show this year coming off a franchise worst performance
1: well actually Trayvon Diggs was the last cornerback they took in the second round but I true, your point true. is well, that would well be fine. Taken yeah but up.
2: before him yeah yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that's absolutely right they're gonna have to get that uh, so I, he's the tiebreaker yes <laughs> as I see it those the first two picks are gonna both have to be walk-in starters pretty much uh yes. And then at some point, Jabril Cox is going to work his way into the field as well. Uh, And uh, maybe the sixth round pick as a, as a nose tackle uh, and to try to do something to plug all those leaks in against the rod.
2: Well, and also their third round pick, Osa Odigizua. He's a very intriguing guy is how they're going to use him in that interior rush. And, Uh, I think he's also going to be a key part of the rotation and what they get of this rookie class, or he needs to be.
1: Well, that wraps up another episode of
2: Sports Day Insider. Is it over already? Well, Evan, all good things come to an end, I suppose. The show is produced by Jeff Whittington. And presented by the Dallas Morning News. Our theme song is by Dallas' own John Dufalo.
1: Don't forget to follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your quality
0: podcasts. You'll never miss a Sports Day Insider episode, and you'll discover some other great shows.
2: And if you liked what you heard, please rate the Dallas Morning News feed and give us a review. It helps us reach other sports fans and news junkies.
1: Learn more about this show and other shows at dallasnews.com slash listen.
2: You'll also find
0: special Dallas Morning News subscription rates just for listeners.
2: Thanks again for listening.
0: We'll see you back here next week.